1: This is
0: Make it clean. Make it clean. M.I.P. With
1: my Samela, my Fumo, Mark Thompson. Make it clean. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, M.I.P. is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone, and we've got to get through this together. So, for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. <music> Ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again our weekly segment "Win with Black Women." That's after all what's been happening, what obviously is going to continue to happen and why we need to listen to black women my very special guest today represents the 63rd house district in the old dominion of virginia Uh, that includes the city of uh, petersburg dinwiddie county parts of chesterfield county she holds the special distinction of being the youngest woman ever elected to the virginia house of delegates and she's been working hard during the special session dealing with criminal justice reform of course uh and COVID 19. very happy to have with us a delegate with the beautiful name la Charisse aired is with us how was that
2: that was wonderful
1: how uh, are you? Me. Thank, well, thank you for being here. How are you and how are things in your area of Virginia?
2: Well, today is a beautiful day. Uh, but as you mentioned, we are right in the middle of special session here, um, which means we are not uh, any different from many other states around the country trying to find relief from this uh, pandemic that has really taken over lives of so many, but also complicated by the social unrest. Uh, I am about 30 minutes south of Richmond and about an hour and 30 from Charlottesville. And we have seen, you know, a number of protests and folks who are just pretty fed up with the challenges that we have here in our country and even here in the Commonwealth.
1: Speaking of that area in Charlottesville, I'm sure you were quite comforted when the president said on the debate the other night for everybody to stand by, right?
2: I cannot use comforted as the word <laughs> in which I felt. I cannot right, associate right. myself with that word. Of course. I mean, it was alarming uh, to think that I'm sitting here with my 12-year-old son watching the debate because we're trying to instill awareness and civic responsibility, you know, as many parents are, and to have to explain what the president did and how that impacts his life as a young man—it's a parent's, a black woman's worst nightmare. Mm. So it's not comforted by any means.
1: What are there lingering effects in your state from Charlottesville and all that that happened?
2: Absolutely. So many people don't even need to turn on the news or think about national incidents because there is so much trauma here in the Commonwealth. We have suffered, uh, I mean, if you ask me, I think quite frankly, we are the root cause of a lot of the racism and discrimination that we see in this country. The Commonwealth unfortunately has that distinction. And so we do have lingering emotion when we see the unrest in other places, but we have not completely resolved the challenges that have been in existence here for many, many decades. And so I think anything that happens on top of the existing foundation that is cracked here, uh, it just compounds the emotion that exists.
1: That's a powerful statement to, to talk about your state's responsibility. Let's not take for granted, delegate, that everybody knows what you mean by that, so in in your own words, just break that down so people get that.
2: Sure, I personally believe that the Commonwealth of Virginia is the birthplace of slavery. Uh, When you think back in history to the first arrival of enslaved people, it was to our shores. Uh, When you think about the, the home of where the fight occurred to keep slavery going, I strongly believe that in the Commonwealth, that is deep within our soil and we have yet to fully reconcile that history. We have yet to fully prepare. We're going through the process right now of trying to take laws, antiquated laws off the books that reveal the discrimination that was so deeply rooted here. And so, yeah, we have a lot of work to do, but absolutely Virginia really spread the disease of racism
1: throughout our country. No, that, that's, that's a profound statement. And hearing you say that, you know, as I'm sure is the case with you, there's something, well, let's face it, there's voter suppression going on in the form of disinformation. I, yeah, and, and I engage young people every day I don't want to vote. Voting doesn't make a difference. That's not going to do anything. And I was on talking to a young person yesterday and an elder was on the phone with me. And they were saying to the young person, "Well, when you feel like you don't want to do anything, then you need to go read about Fannie Lou Hamer. Because you ain't been through nothing (laughs) compared to that. So let, let let me ask you this. Citing the history you've cited, you still felt the calling to participate in the political process. Reconcile that for those who may not get that because I think that's very important.
2: For me, it's deeply personal. You know, my story is one where my mother had me at 16. Uh, We struggled for most of my adolescence. And even with her working really hard, working two jobs, going back to school and trying to really pick up the pieces of our life, we experienced significant hardship. Homelessness, you know, having utilities shut off, you know, not having access to food. And not once did I ever see a politician or an elected official really show they cared about what we were experiencing. And not once did I hear policies that I thought would help our situation and so when the opportunity presented itself for me to take my lived experience and get it to the table to the people who are making decisions that impact so many everything so many people's everyday life I felt an obligation to do that um, I feel an obligation to talk to the people that you're talking about who don't think their vote matters who don't see the value in their participation, and share my authenticity with them about, let me tell you why it matters. Let me tell you how it can positively affect you and what you are experiencing and the things that you care about. And I really try to make it about them because that's part of the problem. They don't think that this process or the decisions that are being made are about them. And so you have to personalize it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um- Kamala Harris has been chosen as the vice presidential um, nominee. Does, in your view, that make a difference in terms of us having real representation when it comes to electeds?
2: Absolutely, for a few reasons. You know, um, I think back to when Stacey Abrams ran, and I think back to, all of the women that were present in the primary and there is this uh, continuous uncertainty doubts about whether women number one and then particularly women of color have the ability to do these types of jobs and especially rise to the position of something like the highest office of you know, um, elected, of elected office in our country. And I really believe that until the people who control the level of the levers of power see it, they will continuously not believe it. They will continuously doubt. And I saw that messaging play out over and over again, no matter what woman it was. And it mm-hmm. is simply time to eliminate that flawed thinking. Um, so when I think about that messaging, uh, really continuing to be put out there, um, I I I think more than ever that it's time for a black woman to be in the highest office, and for now, for now, in the position of uh, the vice presidency. Um, furthermore, I will say that when I think about her professional experience and her lived experience, and the needs that exist right now in this country she has done everything right she has fully been prepared to show the level of compassion that people want to see now to really bring that level of sophistication back to the office of uh, or back to the white house um and then to bring about sort of those solutions that are unprecedented when she was in charge in california you know she was dealing with challenges that were of that time and coming up with unique solutions for that time. And now we are in an unprecedented place and we need someone who's gonna think outside the box and do things differently. And that's what you get when you put a black woman in charge.
1: Speaking of the unique solutions and, and during her time, even in California, do you think the scrutiny of her prosecutorial record has been fair or has that itself even had a tinge of sexism and misogyny
2: i do believe that the scrutiny has been unfair um but it was convenient right you have this qualified powerful ambitious woman and you have to think what can you use against her it was convenient to use her record against her Because many people don't understand the criminal justice system. Many people right now will say, well, I didn't like that she did that. But they can't tell you what it was that she did or that decision that she made. And when the messaging started against her record and you hammer away at it and hammer away at it and cause confusion, it's really difficult to undo that without being able to touch as many people as uh, the doubt was being cast further Um, in the minds of folks uh, around her record. So I think it was convenient for them to do that. Um, And especially because there is such distrust in our political system. There is such distrust among politicians. When you look at any data set around uh, another reason why people don't want to vote, it's because they don't trust politicians. And so it doesn't take that much to cast doubt on a politician and it was easy to take her record, which is something that uh, is very emotional and targeted, especially for the Black community, and uh, so further distrust into who she was and what she's done in her career.
1: Yes, as she said people could name that thing they had a problem with, someone did a study uh, after 2016 and found that... People say, well, I don't like Hillary Clinton. But then when they go to ask them, well, what is it you don't like? I don't know. It's just something about her. And they found when the people who said that were the ones that were the most disinformed and propagandized. And so people were saying things. They were doing the whole disinformation thing about Kamala Harris. And I'll ask, well, what is it exactly that you have a problem with? Well, I don't know. I'm like, no, that doesn't work for me. You got to. <laughs>
2: <You're> exactly <laughs> That's- right. And with such conviction and passion, right? I, I don't like that she did that. And, and I think back to, you know, the other approach I take with people who, they're clearly Democrats, but feel as though, I don't know who I want to support because I got this problem with Joe Biden and I have this issue with Kamala. But guess what? There's two important things to remember. Number one, this relationship with voting is not supposed to be transactional. You're not supposed to just cast your vote and then leave it for them to do. There's a level of accountability that is involved in this process. And do you think you're gonna get a chance to hold this current president accountable? No. So you could put someone in office that is more closely aligned with the things that matter to you and have a chance at holding them accountable. And the second piece is, guess how many other people are gonna be on your ballot? Yes, the presidential elections are critical, but for those things that can actually touch you and impact you, there are so many other people that are going to be on your ballot that you really need to be voting for. Look what we got going on in Kentucky. That right. man in Kentucky was elected statewide. So right. we can't just get so caught up in the presidential, which is critical. But we have to also remind folks that there's other folks down your ballot that have an impact that is equally impactful um, on you.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point because, and you read in my mind, because part of the debate, well, you know, anybody who's a prosecutor or a former prosecutor is problematic. And I said, well, I, I missed something because part of our struggle was to get people who look like us in law enforcement. You don't need all white folk prosecuting us. And then Kentucky crystallizes it even more because it shows that this is someone who is in an elected position. We all mad about Breonna Taylor, right. but I'll be discussing, I've yet to hear a social media campaign to vote him out of office.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, but we have to think on that level.
2: But you know what part of the problem is? What's and that? I feel so strongly about this. We are constantly trying to convince people to vote that we can't even get to step two and step three to talk about, not falling for the opi dope like voting for somebody like him. Right. the longer we have to continue to and this is important. i get it but as a people when do we get past that one of having to try and convince you that you need to vote like we need to wrap that up like that's a given <laughs> right? Then right we move on to the second part of this and learning to work these systems of power to yeah. our benefit
1: yeah yeah um no, you're absolutely right. I would agree. No, those those are good points. Um, speaking of criminal justice reform, tell us what you're doing uh, in Virginia and how you're trying to tackle that.
2: Well, we're in the fight of our lives here in Virginia, uh, you know, trying to pass some of these police reforms. I'm proud to be carrying the full prohibition on no knock warrants, also known as Brianna's Law. And it has been, you know, just a true fight to get people to understand the right you should have to be made aware before law enforcement enters your home. And I don't know why it has been surprising, but even with the tragedy that we saw uh, with Brianna Taylor, not enough people get it. I am still having to convince individuals of how dangerous this law is, not just now, but the history of it is that it's always been controversial. It has never been a a well-accepted, you know, strategy for law enforcement. And so um, I'm proud that it has advanced. We are in the final leg of this race. It should go up for a vote here in the next week and and really uh, take the journey to the governor's office. But it has been a journey to really uh, get people to understand.
1: The governor committed to signing?
2: The governor is committed to signing.
1: Congratulations. That's... That's great news, and that's exactly what we need. How I, I see you're also dealing with the COVID issues. What's yes. in place there? How, how is how is that happening? First of all, how's, how are Virginia's numbers these days?
2: So uh, Virginia's numbers have come to uh, a really steady place. We are really in the phases of in our larger cities dealing with community spread, um, but not at the rate in which we saw during the spring um, and. To be quite honest, even with slowing numbers, the damage has not uh, subsided. We are still seeing people filing for unemployment at unprecedented rates, Mm. Uh, folks facing eviction, uh, especially um, in our community, the black community, black and brown communities at unprecedented rates. Uh, And we are still seeing a disproportionate number of black and brown people dying at a rate higher than others from uh, this virus so some of the things that we're doing this special session a lot of it has to do primarily with education Uh, our students um, are still in a virtual environment for much of virginia and you have two things that are happening you have the limited access to broadband but then in urban communities you just have families that can't afford the internet and so we are are working to make sure um, that funding is being allocated to assist with that um, in addition, you know, one of the things I'm proud of is uh, legislation that I put forward to set up a emergency debt repayment plans for utilities as your gas, water, uh, electric, uh, all of your utilities so that the companies that are not working with you, they'll be forced to do so and to do it in a way that spans between now and the next two years because they found that many of them were only offering six to nine months and you're talking about- Uh, sort of a payment that's affordable and sustainable, you need that extra time. So that will be in our budget. Um, And then uh, just playing out financial relief Uh, for people who are facing eviction, you're getting rental assistance, straight cash to help assist with you staying in your home. Um, And then also uh, for people who are frontline workers or central employees, additional financial resources there as well.
1: Oh, no, that's good. And absolutely necessary. Folks, again, though, that's the point. Um, and we talk about the the White House, but there are people up and down the ballot. So you need elected officials like La Charisse aired in Virginia, a delegate. Right. That's important. Uh, you know, so folks are around time, I don't want to vote. I don't want to
2: vote. I don't. Can't, I,
1: don't. <laughs> I can't do it. Honestly. I've decided we were thirty days out or whatever, I'm finished. Anybody who who don't get it by now, I don't have time to argue with them because I gotta get this thing moving. Don't worry,
2: I got you covered. I'm still working (laughs) it. I
1: got you covered. I'm not not arguing with them no more. I just can't do it. But in terms of the ticket, Virginia will be blue again? Is that a
2: Virginia will be blue. Virginia You know, it's it's almost like you don't want to say that because then people get really comfortable and thinking, oh, we're in a good place. The right. truth of the matter is, we'll be blue, but I still need folks to show up to make sure we're blue.
1: <laughs> I saw the the pictures, I guess a week or two ago, from the early voting, and it looked like the the first day of voting in South Africa.
2: It so, was amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: amazing. And so, in the 2020 session, when we first became a blue state, you know, legislature. We passed a number of voting reforms. And this is the proof that it works. And largely, when you do these things, folks do show up. And so we removed, you know, having to have an excuse. Remove, you know, um, early, we created early in-person. I mean, just a number of reforms that were not there before. And that was such validation that these voting reforms worked. So it was amazing to see.
1: So... Full disclosure, I had a small hand in that legislature turning blue.
2: Tell me about
1: it. So <laughs> about a year ago, a good friend of mine, um, the largest union up here in New York and in the country is 1199. So the head of 1199, George Gresham,
2: okay.
1: um, went down to his hometown in uh, Urbana, Virginia and held a, a concert um, with the Asley brothers. Oh, wow. And I the concert and we got really? the vote out. Yeah, we got the vote out. It was unbelievable. Thousands of people A huge. I never seen anything like that in my life. So I was so proud of that. Plus being able to introduce the Asley brothers. I'm saying, so yeah. Most, I told, like I got told the crowd, most of us probably wouldn't be here if it we weren't for the Aussie Brothers. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 we brought us our folks together, so.
2: Well, I should be no. thinking, I should be right. thinking because you know I talked about the history of Virginia, but because of a blue legislature, we are slowly beginning to relay that foundation, and it would not be for us being in power. That's
1: right. That's right. No, that's that's outstanding. Um, with. But Kamala being on the ticket, lastly, um, do you feel that um, the party finally is acknowledging the power and the loyalty of Black women?
2: You know, that's a great question. And I have a lot of emotion around this question because I've been active in the party, probably since I was in college. And... You know, the one thing that I think about is for 400 years, over 400 years, Black women have been invested in this country. And if you fast forward to present day, Black women have been loyal to this party and just about everyone else with little and minimal return on that investment. And I really feel like it's not a matter of the party finally realizing the value of black women, but they don't have a choice because we are here and we are rising on our own, but furthermore, there could not be a party in the current form that it's in without black women. Right. every major democratic election that has been won has been the result of black women leading the way um. And so whether they believe it or not, it's it's null and void. We deserve to be more than just the backbone of the party, but more so the leaders of this party. And I think whether or not the party was going to accept it open arms, folks like me working with uh, the collection of sisters that I'm working with right now, we were going to force it to happen because it's way overdue. And quite frankly, the challenges we are experiencing, I strongly believe we could eradicate them with black women in power and in leadership. And so, no, I do believe that the time is now, Um, it's long overdue and it was coming whether they were ready or not.
1: Amen, amen. No, and and we are definitely uh, glad it's here. Um, You think Biden should do any more debates?
2: I have never seen I don't know how to program this is so I'll keep it clean, but
1: if you want (laughs) to speak, break it down
3: so
2: it was a complete dumpster fire, right? You know, I never imagined that for the office of the presidency you would see such a debacle. And quite frankly, Biden is above it. You know, the people who tuned in, I can tell you that if they were unsure about who they were going to support, they didn't leave that debate with any clarity. So what are we doing this for? Yeah. Why are we allowing him in the White House to put on a show to so, so, you know, further chaos at our expense? Yeah. You know, we can find a medium to talk to our voters and to get our message out without that, without stooping to that level.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, Virginia keeps coming up blue. That's unprecedented. You know, it used to go back and forth, but you all sure. have popped it down. That's great. So, you, um, when's the next gubernatorial election? The
2: next gubernatorial is twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. We headed into the gubernatorial right now, and it's spicy in Virginia. Real spicy.
1: Are you <laughs> up again for your seat in twenty twenty one? Twenty
2: twenty one. The House of Delegates. And
1: so, what year do you plan to run for governor? <laughs> <You really laughs> this, like that? <laughs> they didn't. T- they didn't tell you about me. That's what I do.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna have to be a little careful with you. Um, I will say, I feel strongly that if it's God's will, it okay. will be. Uh, but for now, my priority is on trying to get my constituents through this current crisis we are experiencing. And I'm one of those people where I'm young enough that I feel like if I can't do a good job in the office that I'm in, I don't need to be in this job. I don't need to be in elected office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also feel like this is only one avenue to do good. Absolutely. I think that oftentimes elected officials get in these positions and it defines them. This office is just the current opportunity for me to do the work of the people, but there are so many other directions and roads I can take to continue to do good work. And so I'm not married to the job. I am committed to it. While I am in it, I'm gonna do my best to uplift the people. Um, but the truth of the matter is, it's it's one election at a time.
1: Yeah, amen. Well, that's that's fine. And and folks, what I hope you just heard was one of the soundest arguments to vote for people, <laughs> just like Delegate LaCharisse aired because of what she just said, you know, and and the way she wants to serve and represent people. No, I'm just asking because we're in with black women. You a black woman, so you know you doing you doing it. So just keep us just keep us posted on that, okay?
2: Thank you, I appreciate that. For now, we are gonna go and elect the baddest black woman in the land right now, which
1: is Kamala Harris. Absolutely. Well, thank you um, for what you did to contribute to that historical moment, because it was going another way. And if you all hadn't spoken up and said, no, 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 we're not playing with this, um, wouldn't have happened. And there's no telling where we'd be right now. So very, very important. So nice to meet you. Thank you for all you do. Any way we can be supportive of the work you're doing, just let us know, okay?
2: I appreciate that. And uh, you do well to give us this opportunity. The Women with uh, Black Women Coalition will be fighting until the very end. And so just thank you for amplifying our voices and our work.
1: Absolutely. Always must do that. Delegate LaCharisse Aired, folks from Virginia. Thank you, Delegate.
2: Thank you. You take uh, care.
1: God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.